two guys in their 20s giving their perspective on the games that we love, the headlines of pop culture, and the meaning behind it all. I'm your host, Wendy Burns, and my counterpart, Save on Morris. How's it going, Sad. man? Green Bears 0 on 1. Florida Gators lost. Like, bro, the weekend just resulted in trash. Yeah. <laughs> We're joined by, by a special guest, Kevin Garcia. He's been on the podcast for past times and a really good friend of the show. But thanks so much for being back on, man. Of course. Thank you for having me. Yeah, man, definitely. And we have a lot of topics to get into for this episode. Um, some NFL ones, album reviews in the second half. We're going to do a review of Above the Rim. But to start off with just, you know, thoughts on Tampa Bay's win at Dallas and, and Dak's injury late in the game. Um, the Bucks were able to win 19 to 3, and Brady and Mike Evans connected on a, a punctuating touchdown. Also, Leonard Fournette ran for 127 yards. And the big news was, you know, near the end of the game where Dak Prescott um needed surgery for a fracture near the thumb on his throwing hand and, and will miss multiple weeks. Um, but to you, Kevin, like, what were your thoughts on Tampa Bay's win and, you know, this really being a low-scoring game and, and what happened at the end with Dak? Oh, well, minus the Dak part, living in Dallas and not being a Cowboys fan, oh, it was wonderful. Like, it was fantastic. <laughs> I mean, it was just – it was it was great to see. I mean, it was it was kind of – I mean, I didn't have these crazy expectations for them. The defense still played pretty solid. I mean – you know, Buccaneers only scored. They didn't, you know, they weren't airing it out. They got ran on more than I would have thought a little bit, but um, offense looked bad. I mean, like people are probably going to use that as a reason uh, in regards to Dak for the rest of the season, but it's not like it was looking great. Looking great anyways. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And I mean, obviously that will be a reason. Dak's, you know, a good, a good quarterback and all, but uh, it's not like it was giving hope um already i know it's just week one but for the cowboys it's um i don't know it's hard for me not to be happy <laughs> <laughs> for, for you Savon, looking at this game and and some of the things that happened in it especially with with it kind of being def- a defensive battle early what were your thoughts on it and also just what the what this news um of dak uh means for dallas going forward uh first foremost man hats off to tom brady and mike evans and the offense you know, Fournette had 127 yards. Tom Brady, two weeks hiatus, didn't hinder him from winning his first game of the season. So, uh, yeah, man, yeah. the Buccaneers look good. Their defense is, I think, their their strongest part, only allowing three points, shutting them out, finding ways to get to the quarterback. Man, hats off to the Buccaneers and Dallas Cowboys, a.k.a. the Cry Girls, whatever they want to call them. <laughs> They're in a rude awakening, and they, and they, you know, they saw that. You, you look at the offense. Ezekiel Elliott has not been himself since he came into the league. I think he's his first three, first two years was his best years, obviously, but he's declined ever since then. Maybe people like count yeah. to, oh, the offense has been hurt. Tyron Smith is out for the, you know, out for for remainder of the season. They had to go get a, Jason, a veteran Jason Peters. Uh, Martin has in and out of being injured. But if he's such a good running back, it doesn't matter what type of offensive line that he has, which is still decent. I think they're top 15, top 15 offensive line in the league. So yeah. I think that's the Achilles heel. Dak Prescott playing good or not, I think they always relied on the running game, even when they had Derek Mathadden, even they had um, – I forgot the guy. He was what, not Tony Pollard. Forgot the other running back they had, and he fizzled out when he went to another team with the Titans. But they always relied heavy on the run game, and that's been non-existent for the past two to three years. And Ezekiel Elliott is the starter running back. And you can't attest that to the offensive line, but if the running game works, right. Dallas Cowboys would be better. But since they're not, they're all in one. 19, yeah, they're all in one, brother. Yeah. And, and, and for like for, for you, 
for you, Kevin, like when you look at, at, at the NFC in terms of just like the expectations you had coming into this year, like, like, do you, is it, was it one of those things where you kind of expected, like we usually see Tampa Bay kind of being near the top, even with some of the, the off, off, off season concerns they were having um, before the season started? Yeah, I think um, if the NFC was stronger, I think some of those, you know, well, we'll see if their weaknesses or not would be shown right, a little awful. bit more. But yeah. like, I think the the thing that for, that helps Tampa Bay is I feel like they have good enough players and obviously Tom Brady to, and they'll have, since they're not playing just the craziest teams every week, they'll develop into that. They'll have space to do that. Whenever most teams often, you don't get like space to do that. And so that could make, that could set them up really nicely because yeah. um, I thought they were still going to be good. Even if, even if they're in a tough division, they're still good enough to, they were going to be good, mm-hmm. but like not having to face something crazy all the time. Um, it, it really does give you some, I don't want to say practice because in the NFL any week, you know, anyone can lose to anyone. Exactly. Um, but it does allow you to have more of a, a margin of error a little bit and maybe to see what's working a little bit better for them. Yeah, definitely. And, and and now getting into Kansas City's kind of, you know, clinical performance against Arizona, um, the Chiefs were able to win on the road 44 to 21 as Mahomes threw for five touchdowns and had 360 yards. And in terms of just, you know, how convincing of a win this was for for the Chiefs, because, the, you know, they're coming off the news uh, off the offseason of not having Tyreek Hill anymore and just questions of can this offense still be as potent? They were just as potent scoring yeah. on the first three drives uh, <clears throat> to you, Kevin. Like, what were your thoughts on this game and just like how? you know, they were able to kind of tune out the, the noise early of, you know, are they going to be the same Chiefs? Yeah, I mean, I, I figured they were still going to be very good. I, I didn't yeah. think it was going to be um, something off. too crazy. Yeah, and and, and look, I, I actually, I mean, I think the Chiefs, I have, think they're going to be very, very good. I also think it, this is a weird game. To, like, the Cardinals played really bad. Like, it looked really, like, so much of what they were doing just did not look very good. Um, again, credit to the Chiefs. I mean, you force a team to look bad when you play really well. Um, and Pat Mahomes, like especially, you know, he's a competitor. Like you hear all that stuff. Oh, I needed this person, or without Tyreek Hill, this will look this way. Of course, you're going to want to come out prepared. I mean, it might give you that extra little bit just to at least start the year a little uh, sharper than maybe you would have otherwise. Yeah, absolutely. Um, to, to you, Savon, what were your thoughts on this on this clinical performance from Kansas City, and also? Just the struggles you, you you saw we were able to see um, from Arizona at home. Just wild, first and foremost. Uh, man, you look at what the Kansas City Chiefs looked like in the preseason. You would have never thought they would have came big, out big difference. and, you know, smacked, <laughs> you know, a battered. I will say they're a battered uh, Cardinals team. Secondary is hurt. Tyron Matthew had an exit because they didn't want to pay him. Um, JJ Watt is, is, is injured. That's the biggest pass rusher. Then you don't have DeAndre Hopkins, which I, I want to get a, ahead of myself. But when you have an offense and a defense that rely on most of the, the top guys, JJ Watt, DeAndre Hopkins, and you know, the secondary yeah. doesn't look the same, it's gonna it's gonna re- relate to the field. Like we're missing our best players. Their whole secondary is banged up, but that's no excuse. Next man up, mm-hmm. correct? So when just looking at the Kansas City Chiefs, man, I forgot they had Travis Kelsey, not Obviously for God, <laughs> but you know, looking at Tyreek right, Hill, yeah. you know, shadow Travis Kelsey at moments because it's Tyreek Hill. The guy could take the take the top off. He could play in a slot. He can you could do you know I call it mixed martial arts. He could do so much stuff in the backfield. But you know, looking at what they accomplished with this team, man, crazy because I didn't think they had enough, especially in the wide receiver core. Did they do enough to replace Tyreek Hill? They 
replaced with a bunch of, you know, possession receivers, nothing over the big guy over the top, but man, running game looked good. Patrick Holmes, 10 year guy, got 10 year meal. He looked good. So, I mean, he was damn near perfect. Hmm. Yeah. I I mean, and another thing I was thinking about Kevin was how much is the, the hype around the bills, also a motivation for the Chiefs because I think that's another thing the Chiefs heard all se- yeah. all off season was like, hey, like the Bills are going to be the top team. Josh Allen, which I, I think he is going to have an incredible season. How much of that also do you think them knowing that the Bills are the team that everybody is kind of picking as the prohibitive a- a- AFC favorite is another part of their motivation possibly? Yeah, I'm I'm sure it would have to be. I mean, I'm sure. I mean, again, of course, everyone still thought no one said the Chiefs are going to be you know two and. Uh, what is it now? Sixteen. I keep forgetting with the new oh, with the extra game. Yeah. <laughs> but you know, uh, no, no one was saying they were gonna like be terrible. But like, it definitely has been given over towards the Bills. I mean, and for right, I mean, yeah, for right, good reasons. players yeah. really well. They smacked the Rams. Like nothing wrong with that. But I mean, ultimately, <laughs> obviously, if you're gonna be good, you're gonna be good regardless of what someone says. But I do think there maybe can be something said for how you start. Maybe like how you kind of yeah. get it going and some exactly. of the sharpness and just starting off right away and like showing that. And then maybe we can put it on cruise control later, but look, you'll remember where, how we smacked somebody we and then we kind of just, yeah, exactly. Yeah. But now getting into the uh, Packers Vikings game and just kind of like thoughts on what Minnesota was able to do at home. Uh, Minnesota won this game 23 to seven. Justin Jefferson had 184 receiving yards and two touchdowns and, you know, Kirk cousins had 277 yards without a turnover. And for, to you, Kevin, looking at this outcome, you know, what were your takeaways? Also, you know, the Packers, you know, they've had, um, season opening losses before even last year against New Orleans and started the season off flat, but we're still able to to have a really good regular season. Uh, what did you think about this game and just kind of like are the, the real concerns of what Green Bay has so far? Um, I mean, really, it's the same exact type of team that's always beaten Green Bay, <laughs> like in the yeah. sense of even when it comes to the playoffs or something, mm-hmm. you have a stout defense an okay quarterback because it's rarely ever a great quarterback to be Aaron Rodgers. Yeah, like someone that's okay. <laughs> and then some, someone else who tears it up or something, you know, some like running back or receiver or something. Uh, I hate seeing it against the Vikings, of course. Um, and it, so in one sense, it's very disappointing to see. I mean, Vikings have, you know, they have some good, um, they have a good team, obviously, but like, it's just the same type of team. And so the only thing I'm hoping, and I, I don't have the, well, they lost the last three years, week one, and they'll be okay only. What I'm hoping is maybe it can cause a readjustment to how they're playing to a degree, to where yeah. they have a really good defense. Um, they have a couple of good running backs. I mean, a pretty <laughs> They should have a really good defense. <laughs> like, like. <laughs> but uh, to, 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 to close it out, Savon, in, in terms of this, this matchup, what did, what did you kind of think about how the, how things played out and also what Minnesota Minnesota was able to do against Green Bay. You know what? We don't have a savior anymore or a security blanket as Aaron Rodgers was put a Devont- we missed Devontae Adams so much yesterday and it showed these rookie wide receivers um Allen Lazard is out for a short period of time. Tanyan didn't look like himself. Sammy Watkins had a couple good plays. Reynolds Cobb had a couple good plays, but Christian Watson dropping a bomb. Oh, it was going to be a good answer. If we would have scored the whole atmosphere, the the freaking everything would have changed with that touchdown. And we don't have the guys that are in sync with the quarterback staying outside when instead of releasing inside or extending plays. That's what Green Bay Packers offense. It lives on. The breathe live 
extended plays, getting out of out of danger, and Aaron Rodgers scrambling mm. and finding somebody. We we didn't see that the first game. Last year, I wasn't as alert, or it wasn't a red flag. Okay, we lost to the New Orleans, New Orleans Saints. Okay, cool. We're going to bounce back. Knew that. This yeah. year, I do not know if our rookie wide receivers can cut the mustard. Sammy Watkins and Randall Cobb are going to step up, and I don't think they're the type of wide receiver that can do that. On top of our play calling on defense, I do not know what Joe Barry was calling. He Last year, 13-4, and four, he, the offense, I mean, defense looked decent in certain spots. The secondary is always our Achilles heel. But when it comes to his play calling to that game, Zaire is supposed to be on Justin Jefferson no matter what. No matter what. I don't care about you trying to run zone or make us a, a heavy zone uh, running defense. Jair should have been on him. That was a big takeaway. Justin Jefferson, man, you know, I'm getting mad just thinking about it. <laughs> He exploited the, the soft spot of the zone. Zone do not work. We didn't. And then no. our offensive line, I don't know if Bakhtiari is ever going to play. <laughs> you know what? I'm off of it. I, I'm a ramble because I've been, I've been thinking about I'm a ramble. So I'm going to just, you know what? We're not ready. Just going to put it out. We're not ready. We're not ready. And and, and, and now kind of getting into um the, the, the Chargers Raiders game, you know, in their opener, uh, the, uh, LA was able to win by five, uh, one by five with Justin Herbert throwing three touchdown passes and 279 yards. They also were able to, to avenge uh, last season's finale, which Las Vegas, you know, won on a field goal in the final seconds of overtime. But to you, Kevin, like what stood out to you in the Chargers opening uh, home win and just, you know, also how Justin Herbert played? Yeah, I mean, I think I think very highly of the Chargers. Like I, I don't know if I was trying to be contrarian at all. Maybe, maybe not. But like, I picked <laughs> the Chargers to make it to the Super Bowl. Oh, like, wow. Like, I have the Chargers making it. Yeah, they have, I think they have excellent receivers. Obviously, Justin Herbert, I think, is really good. Running backs are good. Bro, you got Khalil Mack out there on defense. You got Derwin James. Yeah. You got their corners. You got, uh, uh, oh my gosh, Bosa. Like, that is, I'm like, look. Whoa. I'm just saying it's good. It's good odds, maybe. Maybe it's not good likelihood, but that's a good team. And I and I will be honest. I've been playing Madden a little bit, and the Chargers are pretty good on there. So then I was like, you know what? If I'm picking that, another that'll team, that'll affect your decision. <laughs> that'll influence the decision <laughs> <Yeah>. a little. <laughs> yeah. And and in this game, they, they they looked solid. Like like it looked like Herbert played solid. They played good. Took care of what you need to do. I was hoping they were going to have like a big blowout game, but I mean they kept him kind of at arms. Like, even though the Raiders second half were kind of like. Um, kind of outplayed them for most of the game in the second yeah. half, but like they still You're kept threatening. it. Yeah, they still yeah. kept it there, got the win. It's a divisional game. You know, I think it's a good win, a divisional rival type game. Mm-hmm. When you get a win in the NFL against a division person, I think it's still it's a good always win. A win. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, to, to you, Savon, like, like, what are your thoughts on, on, on this win for LA, them starting off the season, and and also the Super Bowl hot take that Kevin just gave. Like, like, like what do you kind of think about the likelihood of that team kind of being the dark horse that could possibly go all the way? You know, I don't, I don't, I don't, yeah, no. They're not definitely, they, I don't think they have enough to get over that hump. They play a great game, but the Raiders missed a couple opportunities that could have changed that game itself. Yes, Kalima mm-hmm. had three sacks. Bosa had a half and a, one half in a sack. I guess a total like nine or 10 sacks for the whole team. And, you know, Justin Herbert is continues to grow and, and and be the player that you know the Chargers are was looking for in the draft when they drafted him. I think he played a great game, but 
the running game is going to be Achilles heel. I don't think Justin Herbert has enough if that if it got to that point to score or lead his team down to score in a big playoff game or in the Super Bowl. The running game has to be a pivotal part of that. That opens up yeah. the defense in a whole nother round. Play action, one-on-ones on the outside. It, it, it opens a lot. Of, you know, you stack the box. Now you get a one-on-one on the outside. You can put your, mm-hmm. your top guy in the slot receiver, go take the top off. The running game helps a lot. I didn't see that. Yeah, he threw for three touchdowns, but Raiders missed a couple opportunities that should have kept them in the game. Not taking anything from them. I don't think they're a Super Bowl team, but I do think they're a good team. But Super Bowl, Super Bowl winning team yet? Nah, not yet. And, and, yeah. And, and, t- t- I was just t- say, just bring me back when it's Chargers, Packers in the Super Bowl. I know, I know, my prediction on the Packers part doesn't look great there now either. But watch. <laughs> We're going to just... He told y'all in September. He told y'all in September. <laughs> they're going to make us play ugly football, and we're finally going to beat these ugly games in the playoffs. So so that's all I'm hoping uh, for. The Chargers and, Aaron, Aaron, and Green Bay Packers it. in the Super Bowl. <laughs> yes, right. that's the prediction. That's not a, that's not a bad that's prediction. Not, it's not bad. It's not, not bad, bad at prediction. all. It's not bad. Yeah. Yeah. Likely. You just don't think it's likely. <laughs> <laughs> I'm okay with that. I'm okay with that. And another team in that division, uh, um, Denver, who's, you know, uh, going to play later tonight against Seattle. Yeah. To, to you, Kevin, like looking at the new fit with Russell Wilson, also what that team is going to do, try to do differently this year with an elite quarterback. Uh, what are your thoughts on that? And just also, you know, how they can compete in a really tough AFC West? Yeah, I, I think, I mean, when you get a good quarterback, you're going to be able to compete to a degree. Mm. I don't know if they have enough kind of everywhere to like be better and have you know, as many good players simply as like the other teams in that division. Cause I was, that division is incredibly tough. Yeah. I think they're going to hover around 500, but you'll see them beating other teams. You're like, man, they beat the two seed in the NFC and the three seed, or, you know what I mean? Like mm-hmm. they're going to have yeah. games where they win. Like, you know, like some years in the, like before there'd be like the sec West would have a team that's like eight and six. And then the bowl game, they wipe some 10 and two team out or something, you know, like, uh, I, I think they're going to be good. I just don't know if they have enough everywhere to really, like, consistently week to week. They could beat each of those teams any given week, but to consistently carry it through, I just I don't think they'll have enough there. To, to you, Savon, like, what are, you, what are your kind of, like, initial thoughts on, on what Denver could do in the AFC West in terms of just competing? Competing? I think they have a shot. I mean, they were yeah. – what we talked about last week, they were missing a uh, – a franchise quarterback. They didn't have a franchise quarterback mm-hmm. since Peyton Manning <laughs> retired. So to be able to get a quarterback with Russell Wilson who can do a lot of things, extend the play, do the RPOs. Yeah. He's one. He's literally the best quarterback who drops dimes. He sends it from above, and it just just in the bread basket. Falls down. In, so like I think <laughs> that was good. their defense is is decently good. Bradley Chubb is still coming to his own. I think the secondary mm-hmm. has has grown in some aspects, but they were missing a franchise quarterback, and they got that. Russell Wilson Absolutely. still has. He's not talked about because he's so consistent, but he still has a good four to six years in his prime. Mm-hmm. So I think they Absolutely. have enough. I think he'll bring that aspect. They might not start well. But it'll be it'll be similar to I think the Patriots. It might be a really good second half team. Yeah, might be a really good second half. Because the Patriots yeah. didn't, last year, Patriots didn't start off good, and then they were mm-hmm. sneaky getting yeah. into the mix. And I think that will be the same with the Denver Broncos. Definitely. Um, and, and now getting into our first album review with with Ari Lennox's Age, Sex, and Location, and just kind of thoughts on some of the favorite tracks in this um, in her new sophomore album, which just included high level production, as you had songs like Waste My Time that raised the tempo and 
this project is really just like an honest reflection of certain relationships and just doesn't shy away from turmoil either. Um, to you, Kevin, like, what were your thoughts on this album and and what she was able to put together in it? Um, man, I love this album. <laughs> like, I don't know if it's because I just quit a job that was terrible and I've been listening to it in a good mood playing it since then. <laughs> but like, <laughs> I've been in the car playing it. I played it on the uh, the AirPods. I played it in the kitchen when I was cooking and cleaning. Like, because um, I, I like Ari Lennox and I've really liked some of her songs. And I didn't necessarily love her last album. I thought it was cool, but like, I didn't like, you know, it was, it was good. It was right. fine. And she had some great songs and I love her voice. But like, and I don't know, maybe, maybe I got to, like, I don't know how it'll feel in a month, but like right now I have really enjoyed, mm. like it starts off strong and then just keeps oh, yeah. going. Like I, I really enjoyed it for me. Like mm. I, I really liked it. <laughs> to, to, to you, Savon, what, what, were you, what were your initial thoughts on this album and just kind of like, uh, whoa, <laughs> thumbs down. This, oh, no. Kevin, he's the biggest R. Lennox fan oh, I know. No. Okay, Seven. Bro, oh, okay, man. okay, take it away, it, take it away. It not hit for me it did not hit for me i'm surprised yeah me too bro i wanted to like this because it's ari bro i love ari i've been on ari since like 14 2014 bro but Mm. this one was not it for me it was just like plenty of fish i mean the concept was dope but the production behind it i didn't really like it and you smoothed into uh what it was hoodie and then my time and i was like Ari, what are we at? Where are we at? What are we doing? Like the vibes are off. It didn't like oh, my ears man. was not in love with it. Not even a Summer oh, Walker man. song. I'm a big not Summer even Walker that one. <laughs> but getting in, into like the closing thoughts of this album, Kevin, like like what were were there any like main tracks that you kind of go back to and kind of like the repeat ones for you? Um, probably my favorite might be the, the one with Lucky Day, the Boy Bye song. Like, I like that song a lot. Um, I did like, I mean, I guess in the, the first intro, a couple of tracks, I've obviously only been able to give it a few listens. I haven't listened to it 20 times, but like, for me, I'm like good playing it. Um, but, but I can see how like, it is a little bit different than even her sounding stuff. So if someone's like, someone's following her for a long time, I absolutely can see like, this being something that's like, well, I don't know if it's really, I have it the same way with either R and B or, or other rappers. I like that. I'm like, they do something different and other people like it. And I'm like, nah, didn't hit for you. Yeah. Yeah. And so, like I said, I like Ari in the sense of like, her voice is incredible, obviously. Mm-hmm. Um, and I've liked a, a few of her songs a lot. And I think it's good. Like nothing on her last album was like, nothing was bad. I've never heard anything bad, but I just didn't really enjoy it that much this one i don't know for me i just i'm really liking it right now mm. like i said who knows maybe in a week i'll be like oh man some of that you play it too much think it's a little old i don't know but to me right now i love it i've been playing it nonstop. yeah um and, and now getting to our, to our next review with, with domo genesis intros outros and in, interludes um in this album you know th- there's concision and pre- precise identity lyrically stands out um as the production from evidence is is a product of you know contemporary alter alternative hip-hop you got soul vocal loops and also antique drums, plus other strong in- instrumentation. Um, to you, Kevin, like, what were your thoughts on how, you know, almost every beat emitted its own exclusive aura and just um, there was kind of like really a diverse palette of experimental flavors in this? Yeah, I I, I definitely agree with that. Um, overall, like, it's not necessarily like an album I loved. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> it was It was good. And there's a couple of songs that do stand out more to me than 
the rest of it. And I definitely can see like, this is kind of more so I do see if someone maybe, I don't know. It, it, it was cool and it was good, but it didn't really like, oh, I haven't been like replaying it over replaying and over. It, replay value. Yeah. 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 It's it's good. And again, kind of similar how I thought of the, when I mentioned the other album by R. Like there wasn't like something that I was like, oh, that's just trash. But I do catch myself on playing. I might, oh, I actually want to go listen to this one instead or right, you know, yeah, something yeah. I'm just not <clears throat> fully into. Yeah. Absolutely. Uh, to, to, to you, Savannah, what were your initial th- thoughts on, on this album and some of the main takeaways on it? I'm a bit jealous, Wellington, because you set his question up so beautifully. You said like three big words that it was in a Webster <laughs> dictionary. What are your thoughts, Avon? That's it. <laughs> but no, I thought this was like, you know, I'm a big hip hop fan, but I, I thought this was definitely authentically hip hop. Um, mm-hmm. First and foremost, he checked the boxes of uh, production, his voice, his cadence, uh, the lyrics, the bars. I'm with Kevin, though. This is not something I'll listen to continuously, but I do think I'll, I appreciate the project. Um in its entirety. I thought it was a beautiful project, but it's uh, with some type with hip hop. It's like with real authentic hip hop. You gotta, you gotta listen to it in increments because it's not catchy. Most times it's not going to like entice you to want to listen to it over and over. So you appreciate hip hop albums more, but then it's not, you know, in the realm of catchy or I remember what he said or remember the cook or something. So, I think that's the the downfall of real authentic hip hop. Uh, no, nah, not all the time. There's some tracks that they're very catchy within the, yeah. the hip hop self. So, but not this. Yeah, that's one. what I always joke. I always joke with people that I'm like a I'm kind of like a fake backpack rapper fan in the sense of like <laughs> like all of my friends who only like all the turn up music think that I only listen to that stuff. Uh, but then whenever I'm with my friends who only listen to like independent rap and things like that, they're like, "Oh, you like." Drake songs too and stuff like that. Oh, you just listen to da da da. I'm like, yeah, I'm just kind of in the. Yeah, I'm like in yeah. not fully. You're a hybrid. You're a hybrid. Yeah, yeah. you're a hybrid. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 I'm, and so, we're the same um, way. Yeah, mm-hmm. and so it definitely, like I said, it's good, and I can appreciate some more. And, and it might be something I kind of like later on if I'm, I'll be like, hey, I might just go run that back again later yeah. and kind of keep yeah. checking it out because, like I said, there's a few songs I do really like though. Definitely. Um, and, and, and also like looking back to, to, to you, Kevin, in terms of this year, what you like so, so far in terms of albums that you kind of run back to more, have there been any like main standouts for you? I, obviously like we, we got to hear your thoughts on Mr. Morale. Cause like you're one of the biggest Kendrick fans I know, but like, have there been like any standout rap albums or just any albums so far for you this year? Yeah. Um, I love, like, I'm a huge Vince Staples fan. I, I've liked his album and I've been playing it yes, a lot. So like, about that a lot. um, yeah, I'm. I'm. Vince Staples kind of hits almost the perfect week, uh, sweet spot for me. Like I, he picks good beats and music now. Before sometimes he'd be a little experimenty and I just kind of, like, eh, <laughs> yeah, you know, the last three albums in a row I've been just like I love them all. And then Phenomenal. like this year I've really really enjoyed. Um, obviously, yeah, the the Kendrick album. Um, I have a kind of special attachment now to a lot of that album that I know is probably will kind of always maybe make me overrate part of it. Like I recognize I'm not like, Oh, it's better than good kid, mass city or nothing. But like, mm-hmm. um, just the message of it, like paralleling so much in my life. I was like, man, that's really good. Now let me be clear. Not the affair part, you know, none of that kind of scandal stuff. <laughs> you know, none, I none love of that, that part, video, by but, uh... <laughs> the way. Amazing. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Mass Perfect Perfect video. Yeah. Well, yeah. Yeah. I'm sorry. Yeah. No, I was, I was just saying, I think a lot of people who, 
are around my age or maybe even a little older, closer to Kendrick's age or even a little bit, you've kind of like, even as you grow older, there's a way in which kind of similar to J. Cole, like there's times it's so unique because a lot of people are realizing some of those things like, I can choose me. Like, like literally right, he's saying, yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I feel I this impulse to always want to help, but I choose me and I'm sorry, you know? I literally heard another podcaster say, I, that is an album specifically, almost specific, specifically for people in their 30s. Like he said, like, yeah. I don't know how somebody in their 20s could relate to this album as much right, as yeah. somebody who's older in life, who's, they've gone yeah. through things. And that's they really yeah. what he was yeah. touching down on the album. Yeah. Yeah. That's, yeah. That's it, it would, yeah. yeah, like it would definitely be hard to, and I mean, I know, I mean, there was a kid I knew uh, where I worked at. There was a kid in a program, and he's actually a rapper. Uh, I didn't know at the time, but he was going to the Kendrick concert. He loved it and stuff. He wow. he thought of it as being good technically. He said he doesn't know, obviously, the – he doesn't experience it the same way yet. But, like, it's kind of cool that later on, like, as something he liked when he was younger, he might be able to hear that um, right, and hear yeah. some of that message. But, yeah, like, like I think I think especially with that album, man, I think it, it broke up for Kendrick some of the – I think – simple answers he had about things he was like hey yeah. here's a problem here's an answer and then now as you get older you see well it gets really muddied and complex mm-hmm. and there's a whole bunch of factors that go into it and so man yeah that one oh oh uh west side boogie um oh, yeah. I, i'm a, a real big fan of west side boogie and yeah, i've liked his album a lot yeah he's growing yeah. on me yeah i loved his last album like i mean i like love. yeah no i really like it. and it's funny because his album sounds like you know, Dr. Morale and the Little Steppers or something. Like, it's like the same kind of <laughs> topics and stuff. Like, um, yeah. But uh, I'm trying to remember, like, off, off the top, I'm trying to remember. I know there's other albums, but I kind of, uh, my mind's blinking right now. I like the Pusha T album. Um, although I haven't listened Save to I it. I hated that. Say, I hated much. that. <laughs> See, I, I think, but the, here's the thing I, I do think I thought I liked it a lot more at first. And now I'm kind of like, okay, it was cool. Like, there is, because I ca- don't catch myself. You know, going they, into it. I would still it put Daytona over it. I would still put, I would still put Daytona over it. Yeah, because I think Daytona was just a perfect, perfect body of work. Yeah, I mean, I would now. At the time, I was over here like, oh perfect. man, I think it might be better wow. than Daytona. <laughs> uh, <laughs> wow. I mean, it's only there's only two songs, so you know. <laughs> but getting into our next review with with Kaytronad and Anderson Pack's Twin Flame. Um, in this new track, you know, both artists collaborate on, on a funky, stimulating beat with. You know, sly vocals from Anderson Pack and extremely just catchy lyrics. Um, to you, Kevin, like, like, what did you think about this track and just how these two meshed on this song? Oh, I really, really enjoyed it. Like, I, I liked it. <laughs> I joked when I first when the song first came out. Before I was like, I already like this better than all the whole him and Bruno album. But that I don't like Bruno, so like, I'm just throwing uh, that out there. Um, he's not my kind of. I love Anderson though. I love Anderson, and so. Phenomenal. And I love Kaytronada. So like this, I was almost going to, when there's collabs, I set my expectations low at first mm. because I get too excited. I'm like, oh, but almost, they're That's almost smart. never like both hyping up. It's usually, and this one wasn't like the greatest song, but it was really good. I enjoyed it. Like it was, it was what I would have hoped from a song from them. I really liked it. Definitely. Uh, to, to, to you, Savon, like, like what were your initial thoughts on this track and just kind of like um, how, how these two flow together? Mm. I didn't like the production. I think when Anderson collabs with Katrina or whoever that has that type of vibes, I like it more up-tempo, more lively, more like happy or whatever. But this one, I mean, I like how he was initially came on the track, but I don't like the production interchange of going, like it was just, yeah, it was just too much, just too much going on through the, 
through the production. I think it was if it was more up tempo, so you can play with it like that, and you know what I mean. So I don't know. It, I, I didn't think it was a bad track because I'm a huge Anderson Pack fan too. Um, but I just I just thought it should have been more like a bumpy, not bumpy, but more like a cheery type type Wishcon mm. when you collab with a producer like that because he has a significant, not a specific style. And that he yeah. catered to, yeah. So when you add another artist to it, you have to somehow combine both of your styles together. I don't think I think they missed on this one. Got it. Well, now we're gonna get into to our, our movie review above the rim. And and to start with the overview, above the rim is a nineteen ninety-four sports drama film co-written and directed by Jeff Pollock in his directorial debut. Um the screenplay was written by Barry Michael Cooper, adapted from a, a story by Benny Medina, had a budget of six point five million and brought in sixty two point two million in the box office. Um also had had a fifty-two percent rating on on Ron Tomatoes. And the film tells the story about a promising New York high school. Um, New York City High School basketball star now employed as a security guard at the high school. He was a promising star at years ago. Um, to, to you, Kevin, to start it off, like looking back at this film and you know it following two stories with obviously a memorable Tupac performance. Uh, what were some of your your main thoughts on it? Oh man, I've, this is like a movie I've seen like a million times, and so mm-hmm. I actually hadn't watched it in probably a couple years. I don't know. I hadn't thought of, like I just hadn't watched it a little bit recently, but like. Um, yeah, I mean, I've seen it. I remember lines from it. I just watched it again recently, of course, to, to mm. catch up and refresh. But, like, yeah. I mean, it's an iconic movie. I mean, everything oh, yeah. from Tupac's headband, even though it switches up every other second in the last scene. <laughs> yeah, um, no, yeah uh, to the jerseys, the shootout logo, to everything yeah. in it, to everybody, like, having so many actors in it. It's like, yeah, yeah. no, I, I've yeah. loved the movie forever. It's iconic. Definitely. Uh, to, to you, Savon, like, what were your uh, initial thoughts on this film? Obviously, a, a very iconic movie, and just kind of like how it's even aged years from now. I remember watching this as a kid. I know it came out in '94. I was born '93, but watching it when I got a little older, and thinking like, bro, I didn't know Tupac was a rapper. I just thought he was an actor because I we didn't listen to like Tupac. We grew up on mm-hmm. like old school Slick Rick. Um, you know, Dougie Fresh, them like, you know, stuff like, cause my dad was big in name. My dad wasn't a Tupac fan. So I didn't know he was a rapper. I just thought he was like a good actor. Cause I've seen some other movies like Juice. Um, he was, mm-hmm. he played he was phenomenal in that. Like, I'm like, yo, this actor is dope. Like who his name is Tupac. That's a weird name, mm-hmm. but he's a good actor. <laughs> but no, like it was just, you know, it was realistic first and foremost, especially his brother being the top guy. And then, you know, going through trauma, PTSD of his friend getting killed. And just like that, brother, you love your brother, but you hate your brother. And just like, you know, basketball, sports is like the focal point in our community. So it's just like, it is realistic. So it, it didn't really seem like a movie. It just seemed like an everyday. everyday I see this every day. With, with us, it's just football. In my in Pensacola stuff, it's just football. Yeah. So well, you know why, too? But I took no. I, I paid attention to some things more. The basketball is actually good in the movie. Like, oh no, yeah, is. but it's yes. just natural and good the whole time. Yes. Yeah. Except one play where the dude caught the the ball and he ducked it, but he was like down. <laughs> it was like they cut it up wrong. Yeah. They didn't have enough okay. footage, but they cut yeah. it up wrong, and then it's just like, yo, come on, like what, what is he doing? Yeah. Oh, he's Superman now. He just get that. <laughs> But nah, nah, yeah, they definitely was playing good basketball. All of them mm-hmm. played basketball back in the day. Even um, uh, Martin, uh, forgot his name. He was one of the guys on Tupac's team. Yeah. 
Yeah. But he played basketball in real life. Leon Thompson played basketball in real life. All these guys play ball in real life. So that's that's why yeah. I like more because mm-hmm. you know, some of they get these actors like, bro. <laughs> It's where bad. did y'all like come from? Sports movies where ones? Y- it's wait, bad. Yeah, bro. Y'all, y'all can't even act. How did y'all even get the fuck? <laughs> <laughs> Savon, do you want to address the, the highly incorrect Rotten Tomatoes percentage on this? We've had some bad ones. This one was, was horrible. This, this one was really bad. 52%. 52%. Bro, this least should be like a 70, 72. Yeah. It checked boxes. Even though they cut the film wrong. It checked boxes. It has suspense, mm-hmm. it has sports, it has, maybe it is a 52%. I don't know what else I can say. <laughs> soundtrack? <laughs> oh, soundtrack was fire. Yeah. Soundtrack oh, is goodness. fire. At least it's got to be like a you know, 68 or between yeah. 68 and 73%. 52, that's a little low. Yeah. That's a little yeah. low. I wonder what Roger Ebert gave it because I know Roger Ebert he gives some wild he gives some wild ratings with movies like this. But <laughs> to, to, to to you, Kevin, like 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 also in terms of just like this movie reflecting like an every like like Savon was saying it was reality for a lot of people. It wasn't it didn't even feel like a movie. It was just like a regular regular day occurrence. Like, do you feel as though the, like how it was reflecting the reality of many people's lives was another reason why it was just so effective back then? Yeah, I mean, well, I think what they did really good is like there's so many other good characters too. That are like very humanized because of them, whether it's Bernie Mac playing Flip uh, or uh, yeah. Marlon Wayans coming in playing Bugaloo, like which is my probably my favorite character in the whole movie. Like if they, if them two weren't there for the comedic relief, it would be a very yeah. very very drab and dark movie. I mean it is anyways, yeah. but but um yeah I I think it I think it did a lot. I mean it, it just showed. A lot of things that do go on. That, I mean, they can go on around basketball. Mm-hmm. They didn't even have to explain what the shootout was. They were just like, it's the shootout. You know what the shootout is. It's just right, it's the yeah. shootout. Because mm-hmm. everyone yeah. has a tournament around. Everyone has some kind of game. And they always know there's that dude over there who's kind of like buying the kids sneakers. But then he's also like he bought someone else's parent a car. And like there's just some weird stuff maybe going on and, and to various degrees. Um, yeah, I mean, I think it – and it didn't do it too like super – crazy exaggerated i mean they had some stuff that was a little a little lot but i mean it's a movie too so yeah. but i think yeah i think because of the natural way that a lot of the basketball looked the ways people uh just interacted and uh people knowing somebody who just came out you know come out of prison yeah. like i have uncles and friends and people who i've known who come out and just you get excited to see him just like little small things too that would happen i think mm-hmm. i think it showed that really well Definitely. Um, and I'll get into our first topic from one to four stars. What would you give it um, to you, Kevin? Like, what would be your particular rating for this and, and some of your reasons? Oh, man, Th- this one's very hard because there's like a big from two to th- like, I'm not going to give it a four. Like um, <laughs> yeah. but, but two almost <laughs> feels small because if I do give I'm it a sorry. two, like you know, like, <clears throat> like because, you know, I love the movie, but I yeah. know it's, it's also if I had never watched it, it would still be kind of predictable. You kind of know some yes. things that are going to go on. And there's nothing wrong with that to me. Uh, like uh, 2.7. <laughs> I'm gonna cheat and just give it like you know, I don't want to give it a two because it seems like it's the Rotten Tomato score, but a three is also very good movies in my opinion, and it's a very good movie. Yeah. Um, but yeah, so I, I put it right around there. Yeah, and, yeah. and it's one of those, but I've watched it more than a lot Countless of four star movies. So yeah, yeah definitely. <laughs> to you, Savon, what would be your your particular rating for it? I'm gonna give it a, and I've never done this before. I don't want to give it a three. I'll say like a two point eight five. I think <laughs> I think it had yeah. I think it had his moments where it was like really good, 
but I think it was so low budget <laughs> that I think it would have been shot better. I think the dialogue you mentioned that been a lot. Better. How movie is shot? How movie is shot? Yeah, into the I think it well. could have been shot better. Obviously, if you cut and film like that, and you think people are not going to notice, that's yeah. How like know. imagine we're doing the pod, and every other time my hat goes this way, and yeah. I come back. Come back. <laughs> yes. <laughs> They call it a wow, jump cut. Like, like, <laughs> yeah. That was a terrible jump cut. They could have did something else, you know. But, yeah. <laughs> but no, I thought it could have been shot better. I think that I could. The dialogue could have been better. Um, mm. but I mean, when you're working on the type of budget like that, you don't have many resources. So that's I. I would say two point five. I'll, I'll give it a two point eight five. Two point eight five. I think that's yeah. fair. I was thinking two and a half as well because I mean, this it wasn't your typical sports movie. Really, a good story of, about talent being corrupted by the street game, and just the cast cast was was really um, picked, picked together extremely well, especially for the time of its release. Um, getting into favorite character now, I, I really like Shep because you know he had the story of mm-hmm. being that star and then kind of having to, to give that that advice later on in terms of not it not working out for him and kind of looking out. Um, kind of looking out for it for a younger star that was coming up in the ranks like to you kevin who was your kind of particular favorite character <laughs> without picking any of the main ones kind of like i said i'm, I'm gonna have those that pair yeah of flip and bug i love bernie mac and so like just kind of seeing him and, and in a serious mode too he's kind of given like hey if it goes this route this is kind of what it looks like later on like yeah. he's kind of an example of oh a dude who played basketball and then he's kind of now just out here on the street sleeping and stuff like that. And he's friends with this other guy and things went wrong. And look, here's what it could be like later on or whatever. And then, uh, yeah, with Marlon Wayne's character, like he is like the funny parts of it. They make it so much funnier and lighter. While where I think other people had better performances, of course. Yeah. I just like it's like if I liked someone who was an incredible sixth man and I just man, this is my favorite player. You know, I've mm-hmm. always liked seeing their scenes in the movie. Yeah. Absolutely. To, to, to you, Savon, like looking back at this movie, like who was your overall um, favorite character? I have to say Shelf, man. I mean, Shelf. Uh, I thought his character was, once again, so realistic. <clears throat> There's a lot of guys who don't make it out in their environment for, uh, you know, multiple reasons. Mm-hmm. Then you go back and then you have to go either go back into the lifestyle or you have to do something you don't want to do or you're just at the bottom and then your family, like... Man, Birdie is just <laughs> Birdie was a butthole, man. But I like his character because he had the opportunity to give back knowledge and, and you know give the game back to Kyle and then you know coach Coach Rawlins. I'm like, you got a lot, you know, to give back. You want to give back? Start with Kyle. You can't yeah. you know do anything about Nutso or whatever. But I do think his character was obviously the pivotal part of the movie. Because he could have chose not to do any of that stuff. He could have just, you know, felt sorry for himself and kept doing what he wanted to do. But I think his character really kind of rounded the movie. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and now kind of getting into most memorable scenes, I had uh, one-on-one with, with uh, Kyle and Shep. Also, um, You Ain't the Man No More with, with Birdie and Shep's conversation at the graveside. Mm-hmm. Um, also, Kyle snaps after being uh, taken out of the game. And there was just, you know, that frustration of, of, of what was kind of going on in his personal life, getting to the court. Um, Birdie and Kyle's conversation at halftime. Um, also, uh, Birdie killing Flip. And then finally, uh, Shep getting shot and, and, and Birdie's death. Uh, to you, Kevin, like what were like the, the main scenes in this in this film that you kind of thought were like or maybe a couple that you thought were the main standouts? Mm-hmm. Well, the, the biggest thing is, well, it's like a pairing because how they did it was like the first time when they're playing one on one with mm-hmm. uh, Flip and how that's all going and how he's mocking him. They're doing all these things. And then when it goes back into the scene where he's going, uh, him and Shep are playing one on one and like how he sets, you know, and just 
taking it from him and just like just like kind of like one was in the light all this is going on it's lighthearted and then later on they're doing it it's in the dark and he even i think i think it's small but like he did well, one thing i thought was like such a small little detail that I, uh, that i thought was cool was like when kyle like when he loses because remember the first one even flip when he lost he was like no i'm not gonna get kicked right now like i'm i'm, I'm out of here um and doing that but even kyle, when he lost he was like okay well i lost and it's almost kind of like I'm accepting the responsibility of what I did. And yeah. I think it kind of shows like he's a type of person that's going to pivot to make choices that are good and that'll be helpful and all that. Like, I think it's like such a small little really good detail. I think that yeah. they put that in there. They didn't have to show him do that. You know, um, they could have just showed him being a basketball player, being cocky and no, I ain't going to do that. Da, 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 old man or something. But I think just him doing that and then, um, walking away and seeing that, I think that was really such a good contrast in how they showed those two scenes. Absolutely. Um, to you, Savon, like what what were the memorable <clears throat> scenes to you? Um, in in, the, in this in this movie overall. Um, two when Chef finally came and he started planning the big the, the tournament to, for mm. them to win. <clears throat> that was a good part. Um, and then uh, I won't say when the quotes that I'm going to say later, but I think when Birdie got killed was was a good scene. Bye. <laughs> <laughs> to get killed by him though, like that was just like <laughs> nobody else did nothing either. He just shot him. <laughs> nobody did anything. Right? They had terrible fake blood. I'm not gonna lie. It just looked right. like like thinned yeah. out camera on him. <laughs> The music didn't stop. You know, you at a party, people you didn't go kill nobody. Just like ah, just go back to normal. No, bro. But yeah, I thought yeah. <laughs> that was a weak but good scene at the same time because birdie <laughs> wanted that lifestyle and then that's the the end result or he going to jail but he got he got that one yeah and now getting some most memorable quotes i had all you got to do is score kyle from shep also why are you doing this man it's just a game from from kyle um you might be on the other team but, you, but you're playing for me remember that from birdie um you think i came back here to work for, for you from shep and then um also you don't owe me nothing you owe yourself and the ones who care to care to get you here um believe me i know from shep uh, to you, Kevin, like, were there any like main standout quotes or, or ones that you kind of, you know, uh, kind of reflected on more so in, in this film, looking back at it? Yeah, I think one of the most like significant ones, I don't know if you remember or not, but uh, Bugaloo and um, Kyle are walking down the street mm-hmm. and then he proceeds to call him a Gentile and then says something about an ant you I don't remember that one. Yeah, I, I recently just I recently just watched this. I recently just watched just watched just watched. But um, for for you, for you, Savon, looking at memorable quotes, like were there any ones looking back that you kind of felt as though were were were, were the the top ones in this? Um, you said obviously you said all the good ones uh, always, but uh, <laughs> you're welcome. <laughs> <laughs> Hey, um, but it was one that stood out between the conversation between uh, Coach Rollins and Shep. I was just go to like the end. You can't do anything about your mom or nuts, so but you can't you can't about Cal. It's all there for him, Shep, and he's blowing it. And then Shep said, "Well, he won't be the first. Like that really summed yeah, up where he hits. was, this character build where he was then, and how he changed at the end of the movie. And I think he finally saw the opportunity to instill into the younger guys just because it didn't pan out for me then. But I thought that was a dope situation because you can see the difference between that quote then mm-hmm. and how, how the movie ended. So a lot of progress Absolutely. with character development. 
definitely. Um, and, and kind of getting into like, what did you like the most about about this storyline, Kevin? Like, to you, what particular element of this storyline, like, do you did you think like they kind of like really hit home and it and it worked the most for them? Oh man, you know, I think it's it's crazy, but it really is way ahead of its time in talking about like trauma, <laughs> like. He had an awful yeah. thing go on, and it affected his ability to play basketball, which even when I'm growing I didn't grow up. I wasn't a teenager in 1994 or whatever, but, like, even growing up in 2000s a little bit more, I didn't, like, you wouldn't think that. Like, we, you don't have that in your head that, like, someone could be playing a sport, a kid, and they got this crazy stuff that's affecting him and bothering him. It just wasn't even on our mind, really. Like, you just kind of – you just do what you do. Yeah. Uh, meanwhile, yeah. it is happening – like, uh, then yeah. even going into the basketball game, just seeing all the times that Kyle was distracted by a lot of things every time, right? He would keep seeing people and whether it was his mom and yeah. Shep there, but like just how that all affects it because they're kids, you know? And like when it happened to Shep, when he, he was a kid and seeing all that. And so I think just seeing that go through and how all that affected everything going on, I was like, man, that's like so ahead of his time in talking about that, especially in a movie like this yeah. and like how those things are real and they're going on. Because then he's playing basketball against nobody so you know he's still a little you know working through some things um yeah and so uh yeah i think that was kind of cool how they showed that that way absolutely to you Savon, like like what particular element of this storyline uh did you kind of like the most because like kevin was saying this movie was ahead of its time it was addressing topics that we see today but are more commonplace and weren't really addressed as much back then yeah i love that it kind of touched bases on another form of ptsd and going through that emotion and don't you don't know how to channel it or just sift through what it really is and why did it affect you so much and why is it affecting your ability to play the sport that you're really good at the effect of it all and i think it really and and that's probably happened so much especially in those times because the crack epidemic and then the nine, I think the nineties were big into like sports and music and it was going flourishing. But a lot of, a lot of people who didn't get the opportunity because of their environment or surroundings. Mm-hmm. It's so realistic. This movie is a realistic film. And I think that's what I like the most about it because it touched base with a form of PTSD. A lot of kids go through on an everyday basis that it just swept under the rug. Oh, you get over it. Blah, blah, blah. But then I love the fact that he finally realized that you got to still to the next generation so they understand what they're going through or what what needs to happen for you to be successful. Yeah, definitely. Um, and, and before we get to the, to the last topic, like looking at what Tupac did in this film and also just the memorable forms he's had in the past, because like obviously like he wasn't wasn't just a rapper, was also able to do this. Like to you, Kevin, like, like looking back at what he did in his career and legacy and also just in the in the movie aspect. Uh, what stands out to you about what he was able to do, kind of like switching roles from from artist to, to actor? Yeah, I mean, some of it makes sense. I mean, his, his background, he was, you know, he went to a theater school. I mean, that's why he has that history with Jada Pinkett and everything. I mean, he he did that. And yeah. I mean, he was naturally a very charismatic person, as everyone always would say and know. I think it now I, I do think it is underrated how good of a skill that is, though. Because there's a lot of like charismatic athletes, for example, and 99 percent of the time, an athlete is in a movie or a TV show. It is the worst scene in whatever you're watching, right? <laughs> like it's usually very bad. Yeah, yeah. So for an, for for someone to just be okay is honestly a pretty big accomplishment. But to be actually like good, yeah. like yeah. what a what a crazy run that Tupac was doing at that time. That could you could you imagine yeah. during peak Kendrick or Drake, they're also in some massive movies as like a main character, like. 
Mm. You know, Kendrick just play, you know he played a crackhead in power, and that's about it. Like you know, like the, the, <laughs> the, you know, and, and uh, Drake's done a little bit more. He's an actor, so he can do a little bit more. But like, yeah. um, I think I mean, obviously, incredibly talented, incredibly skilled, because um, mm-hmm. his character could have looked a little too whatever or a character or whatever. But he looked he was a, just a very good villain. Like he was just a very yeah. good yeah, villain that, that way. So well, yeah, yeah, yeah. absolutely. To, to, to you, Savon, like, like, how did, what were your thoughts on that, and how he was able, able, able to uh, switch just different aspects of what he, of what he could put out in terms of his roles and, and, and just like as an artist and, uh, and, and, and an actor. Yo, man, just look, at, just to bounce off what uh, Kevin said, man. Just think about uh, Snoop Dogg and Ice Cube and Ice T, these rappers who went on to have luxurious careers in film and acting freaking whoever thought ice Cube would blow up the way he did <laughs> snoop dogg is playing and he's doing everything under the sun ice t was in a big time um you know uh well svu or whatever big time yeah, show but just imagine the the roles that tupac would have played if he was still alive like i think he would be one of the top actors because you look at his career like yeah he played villains he, he, I think he was would be able to play certain other roles because you know that like Ice Cube was tough, like a tough rapper in the beginning, and then you do Are We There Yet? And then <laughs> and then Snoop Dogg the same way. Like I think he played those bad villains because that's the you know persona he played while he was in when he was rapping because he wasn't a tough guy at all. But that's the persona he was playing as a rapper, so they're gonna yeah. obviously put him in roles and on the front. Exactly. So I feel like if he was later in his career, like, you know, in his late 30s or 40s, what kind of roles would he have played? And I think he would have been able to plead, do the family role or, you know, just stretch out his legs a little bit. But man, I mean, what we've seen, or what we've seen of his uh, acting career, man, I think his, his, the sky was a limit for him. Not in just music. I wasn't a big fan of his music, but just his acting ability was, was crazy. Yeah, I'm, I'm, he wasn't I'm a, big a big fan. <laughs> wow, big fan of Tupac, bro. Not his music. I mean, I thought he was. He 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 did he rap passionately. He wasn't an elite. He wasn't. He wasn't elite. He didn't have bars. For he didn't real. have bars like that. Like yeah. no, like if he didn't have a whole was, conglomerate behind him. Yeah, <laughs> you know what I'm saying. Like if he didn't have Death Row, I don't think he'd be just like an ordinary rapper that fizzled out, in my opinion, because he didn't. Bro, he didn't have no bars. See, he, oh, he did not, bro. He was lyrical. I mean, he could tell stories, obviously. Um, and I, I think that's why people, yeah, yeah he's a story, but bar song wise? structure. No, bars. like he yeah. didn't have bars. I hang no. with Nas and Biggie. He was not exactly. Biggie had bars. No, we ain't gonna get through this. We're we, not going. That's that's a different. If I was, <laughs> yeah, if I was an age, I would have went with Biggie. I don't. If I was oh. from Florida or not, I would have went with Biggie for sure. Oh man. Yeah, but yeah. that's a whole nother, another whole another podcast. Yeah, I can't yeah. do that one. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, I can't do that I'm one. <laughs> oh, but that's but crazy. but now, kind of getting into our last topic, you know, ten years from now, like, do you still think it'll be watchable and streaking? Obviously, it's been able to, to pass that bar in so many ways. But like for another decade, I mean, like this movie has so many strong elements of teaching about life lessons of you know if you don't make it. Um, how to still have a have a perspective and, and strengthen what you're doing yeah. even when you're not where you want to be. Like to you, Kevin, like like how do you think this movie will age for even newer viewers that, that are just seeing it the first time? Oh, I mean, 
great, you know, like it's it's still, yeah. I mean, a lot of the issues are still the same. I mean, they might look a little different, but um, a lot of them are still the same. Um, it's still, again, it has good, it has enjoyable basketball to watch. Like it's still better than a lot yeah. of sports movies. So, so when you watch it, it just feels natural and good. Um, and I think it does age well also because, you know, we gave them, you know, 2.5, 2.85, 2, but again, like that's a great rewatchable kind of zone of a rating, yeah. you know, oh, yeah. like sure. it hits that, like it's not too complex and, you know, there's overlaying narratives of justice and inner turmoil and, you know, all that stuff <laughs> that's good. But sometimes you're like, I just, I just want to watch the movie. But I just want to watch a good movie. Yeah, I mean, because people still, people <laughs> yeah, still wear the jersey. Like Russell Westbrook still yeah, came no, out yeah. that one time, oh, still yeah, had the jersey, and yeah. it's still selling everywhere. You know, people still put it on, and so, and they still make versions of that on 2K every year. You know, every other storyline is yeah. kind of similar in some way, not as not as crazy. They don't have to do, you know, pulling the razor blade out the side of his lip, but you know, they, they have <laughs> the local school, the guy who's a little seedy. Um, the team first coach, <laughs> you know, coach. the same kind of like exact plots are in a lot of these things. And so I think it'll, it'll keep going for a while. How, how good is this soundtrack to you compared to other sports movies? Cause this, this, this soundtrack was phenomenal, man. Oh, I love this, it. This, this soundtrack is up there. I love it. Yeah. yeah. Cause I Tupac. Made it great too. Holler if you hear me. Oh man. And that was before death row. That was before death row. And oh, oh man, it's all right. I know every, Oh Yeah. It's too good, yeah. Too to, good. To, to, to you, Savon, to, to close it out, like, like, like how good, like, how how much do you think this movie can, how well do you, do you think it can age, like, even for other viewers, like, like, like we're saying, this movie can still relate to things that are happening today, commonplace, but it, it seemed kind of taboo and different back in that era. No, nah, I mean, it's, I mean, history repeats itself, so yeah. everything that's going on in this movie, it's still happening in the Bronx. It's still happening in New York, slum, you know, slums of, of Cali, Florida, whatever. Doesn't matter where area code. It's still happening to this day. So it's still going to resonate with the audience. Um, and then if you are a Tupac fan of his music, I guess you're going to like this movie or whatnot. <laughs> um, but no, I think he has some great actors in it. You just think like, oh, because I think TikTok has bring a lot of movies and things, songs back Around. to life. Yeah. yeah. So you see snippets here and there, especially what when they lose, like, yeah, man, give me the gun. And oh, yeah. gave, I forgot them gun and he yeah. shot buddy. So that scenes always pops up here and now again. So, um, yeah, it's always going to resonate because it, it's still happening to this day, but we know more about that form of PTSD. Um, yeah. you don't have to be in war. I mean, technically it is war, especially in those parts. Absolutely. Well, Kevin, it has been an absolute pleasure having you on, and, and thank you so much for, for, for just being gracious with your time, man. For sure. Love being out here. Definitely. Well, that wraps it up for tonight. I'm Post One to Burn, but I'm kind of for our save on boards. This has been Full Scope.